the story, it's instructive for us. The captain was on a ship, and he looked into uh, the dark night, and as he looked out into the dark night, he noticed some faint lights that were off in the distance, and so he told his signal man to send the instructions ahead all through your course 10 degrees to the south, and shortly after that, instructions came back, which said alter your course 10 degrees to the north, and the captain was a little frustrated that his instructions weren't followed, and so he set, told a signal man, send another set of instructions, uh, and he said, say, alter your course 10 degrees to the south, I'm a captain. And uh, shortly after that, instructions came back, alter your course 10 degrees to the north, I'm Seaman Third Class Jones. And the captain was angry at this point because he was uh, not being uh, obeyed by an inferior, his instructions were being ignored, and so the captain, knowing his third set of instructions would certainly strike fear into uh, this person's life, told a signal man, send the instructions ahead, alter your course 10 degrees to the south, I'm a battleship. And instructions came shortly after that that said, alter your course 10 degrees to the north, I'm a lighthouse. We know that God has given us his instructions in his word for us to follow. As we follow God's instructions, we learn how to live God's way. God's instructions in his word teach us how to walk in obedience to the truth of his word. God's instructions in God's word help us to live and please God day by day. And as we follow God's instructions, we experience God's blessings in our lives and relationships. As we follow God's instructions, we grow in our relationship with God. As we follow God's instructions, we're able to minister effectively to the congregations that God has given to us day after day after day. And so we're going to continue looking into God's instructions this morning. Open your Bibles with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. If you're not there yet, move in that direction. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Paul is continuing to download God's instructions for our lives and relationships in this final teaching passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. As we have covered over these past several weeks, Paul gave us God's instructions about the relationship between the pastors and ministers of the church and the people and members in the church in verses 12 and 13 of chapter 5. Paul gave us God's instructions about the relationships between the believers in the church, the brothers and sisters in Christ in the local church family, in verses 14 and 15. In verse 14, Paul wrote these words, and we exhort you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle, comfort the scourge, help the weak, be patient with everyone. We are family in Christ Jesus. Say that with me. We are family in Christ Jesus, and we are to minister to one another through Jesus as we live for Jesus. Paul shared some of these instructions for ministering to one another through Jesus in verse 14. It's a privilege, it's a blessing for you and for me to be family in Jesus. It is the joy of our lives to be family in Jesus. By God's grace, through our faith in Jesus. Stand right back up real quick with me. Stand up, and I want you to high-five or hug your neighbor and say, Hello, family. 
All right. All right. Thank you. You may be seated. Just making sure we know one another here this morning. We're family. We're family in Jesus. Paul continued in verse 15, and he told us, See to it that none of you repays evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for one another and for all. Paul told the believers of Thessalonica and us as we're studying this truth this morning to make sure that no one, not even one of us, repays evil for evil to anyone. Paul said, make sure that you don't try to get even with someone or to retaliate against someone who does evil to you, harms you, or hurts you. Paul said, instead, but instead, always pursue what is good for one another and for all. Always pursue what is good for everyone. He's saying here, eagerly seek after, eagerly chase after, eagerly follow after what is good, what is beneficial, what is helpful, what is profitable, what is useful for those that God places around you. As Peter told us, don't repay insult for insult or evil for evil. Instead, give a blessing in the name of Jesus. Give a blessing in the name of Jesus. Paul's point here in verse 15 can be summarized in a simple sentence. We are not to treat others the way they deserve to be treated. We're to treat others the way God desires them to be treated. We are not to treat others the way they deserve to be treated. We're to treat others instead the way God desires us to treat them. Now, God will empower us to treat others his way as we follow his instructions day by day. He will empower us to treat others his way uh, as we follow his instructions day by day, walking in the spirit and not the flesh. And now we see Paul gave us God's instructions in regards to the relationship between God and us, his children, beginning in verse 16. We enjoy a relationship with our almighty God by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. God wants us to follow his instructions in his word in regards not only to our relationships with one another, but also in regards to our relationship with him. And so Paul in verse 16 begins to share some of God's instructions in regards to our relationship with our father God. And Paul says in verse 16, rejoice always. Rejoice always. Now, I call that short, sweet, simple, and to the point. Rejoice always. Let me suggest to each of us this morning, let's commit this verse to memory this week. Let's do that. Let's say this together. Rejoice always. Say it with me. Rejoice. Always. Say it again. Rejoice always. All right. What a great memory verse. First Thessalonians 5 verse 16. I got a memory verse for this week. Rejoice always. I'm done. Good. Now we've got to rejoice always. What a great, great verse. We're going to learn more and more just how amazing this verse is as we take it apart this morning together. So let's answer some questions about this passage that uh, will be very important for you and me this day and this week. Number one is the what. The what is rejoice. Paul used another present imperative in this verse. Rejoice is a command from God through Paul to you and to me. 
Rejoice simply means be glad, be joyful, be delighted. Be glad, be joyful, be delighted. Rejoice is in the present tense, which means this is to be our daily practice, our daily discipline as followers of Jesus Christ. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are to rejoice, we're to be glad, we're to be joyful on a daily basis. The what is rejoice. The when is always. Rejoice always means rejoice always. Rejoice today. Rejoice every day. Rejoice all through the day. Rejoice always. Rejoice evermore. Rejoice, 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 and then rejoice some more. Notice Paul did not command us to rejoice only in favorable circumstances. To rejoice only in good times. To rejoice only when everything is going well and everyone is getting along great. It's natural for everyone. It's natural for all of us. It's natural for everyone, believers and unbelievers alike, to rejoice when the circumstances in our lives are favorable. It's natural for us to rejoice in good times when everything's going well and when everyone's getting along. But that's not Paul's focus here in this passage. That's not Paul's command. That's not Paul's point. Paul said we're to rejoice always. This means no matter what is going on around us, no matter what is happening to us, no matter who is coming against us, no matter what others are saying or doing to us, no matter what others are causing for us, no matter what is happening in our lives, rejoice. Rejoice. Rejoice always includes a lot. Those two words are packed full of truth for our lives. And so I want us to just take a few moments and I want us to, to look into the Word of God and specifically here in 1 Thessalonians, but even maybe a little bit outside 1 Thessalonians in support of what Paul's been saying to these believers in us in our study in 1 Thessalonians. I want us to look for just a moment at what this command truly means to us. Rejoice always. What, what does that include for you and me today in this week. We, we get rejoicing in good times, and that, that's real simple. That's real easy. That doesn't take any effort on our part, uh, but that's not really the focus of what Paul's saying. He's saying rejoice always, and so we need to understand what this includes. So let's look at a few of these uh, points that rejoice always includes. Number one, we need to rejoice in trials. Rejoice in trials. James told us in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials because you know the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its full effect in your life so that you may be mature and complete lacking nothing trials means tests they they're, they're pressures they're troubles that crash into our lives on a regular basis trials prove and reveal what's inside us by our response to them Trials include things such as trying circumstances, times of change that quite possibly were unexpected for us. They include times when we are dealing with difficult people, difficult because of what they're saying to us or about us, what they're doing to us, the problems, the challenges they're causing for us. 
And so we see trials make us uncomfortable. Trials are most often inconvenient and unwanted, and yet we see in this passage, and we've seen through our study of 1 Thessalonians, that trials are being used by God in our lives for our good, to mature us in our faith in Christ Jesus. So now we begin to understand and realize why James said, consider it a great joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials, whenever you experience trials, various kinds of trials, consider it a great joy means think about it. Consider it, think about it. So what James was saying is much like what Paul's been saying to these believers in us. He's saying this, when trials crash into your life, stop and consider them. Think about them. But think about them not from our perspective, because when we think about trials from our perspective, we're going to go down a road that really we don't want to travel down. What James is challenging us to do, the same thing Paul has challenged us to do. He's saying when trials crash into your lives, think about them, consider them, but consider them from God's perspective. Keeping God's purpose in mind for your trials. And when you consider the trials from God's perspective with God's purpose in mind, which is God's allowed them for the purpose of growing us in our faith in Christ Jesus, then we're able to rejoice in them. We're able to rejoice in trials when we consider and think about them from God's perspective, not ours. And so we understand as well, and we notice that, that James told us to rejoice in trials when they come, not if they're coming. We all know they're coming. Chances are we're square in the middle of one right now in our lives as we enter this room this morning. We know they're coming on a regular basis. And so Paul is encouraging us through this command to rejoice always. That includes rejoicing, being glad, being joyful in trials. Something that these believers in Thessalonica would be very familiar with. Secondly, rejoice always it means to rejoice in times of pain. Paul understood this. These believers understood this. Paul shared specifically with the believers in Corinth and us in 1 Corinthians and in 2 Corinthians about a point in time in his life where God had given him a thorn in the flesh. This thorn in the flesh was something that was producing pain and discomfort for Paul. It was so painful for Paul that Paul pleaded with God on three different occasions, take it from me, remove it, pull it out, God. I don't want this thorn. Whatever the thorn is, Father God, we don't, we're not sure exactly what the thorn in the flesh was that Paul was referring to, but it was painful. And Paul said, take it. And God chose not to grant the answer that Paul was looking for in his request three times over to take the painful thorn away. God answered his request, but he answered it in a different way. Not the way that Paul was hoping for initially, but in a much better way. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9, Paul shared these words. But he said to me, after Paul prayed three times, God, remove this pain from my life. But the Father said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. 
Therefore, Paul said, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me. You see, what God did was God told Paul, I'm not going to remove the painful thorn from your life. I'm not going to do it. Paul, I hear you. I'm not going to remove it. But Paul, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do something better for you. God told Paul, I'm going to give you my grace, my blessings, my favor, my power, which is sufficient for you, which is more than enough for you to help you depend on me and follow me by faith with the pain. Because the pain is serving a purpose in your life that I am producing in you. And Paul, upon hearing this from the Father, he responded and said, Therefore, I will most gladly boast. What does that mean? It means this. I will rejoice. I will most gladly boast. Paul said, I'll rejoice in my thorn. I will rejoice in my pain. I will rejoice in my weakness because God's power and grace is resting on me. God's power and grace is best for me. God's power and grace is more than enough for me, even with this pain that I'm dealing with. And what we see in this passage and what we see throughout the letter of 1 Thessalonians is Paul changed from pleading with God to take the pain away to praising God for the pain. He went from pleading, God, take it away, to praising God for not taking it away, for leaving it with him. You see, Paul was familiar with trials and pain. These believers in Thessalonica were familiar with trials and pain. We're familiar with trials and pain. Again, we may be in one of those times of great pain Right here, this morning, that, that may describe you, whether the pain's emotional or financial or marital or physical or relational, whatever the source of that pain is, it may seem to be like almost a thorn in your flesh. And I want us to understand and know this morning, I want to encourage you, when we're dealing with pain, and if that's you this morning, then obviously I'm speaking to you, speaking to all of us under the guidelines of rejoice always, this amazing command. Listen, if we're dealing with pain, if that's you this morning, then it's okay to ask God to remove the pain. It's okay. Paul did it over and over again. It's okay to ask God to remove the pain. Whatever that source of pain may be in your life, it's fine. As you take that time on a daily basis, you can ask God to remove that pain. And sometimes he'll do it. Sometimes God does it. And when God removes the pain, we immediately do what? We rejoice. Whoo, praise you, God. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for taking that pain away. When God removes the pain, it's immediate. We rejoice. We rejoice. But again, Paul said rejoice always. So, so what I want you to understand and know is this. Here's the encouragement from God's word. If and when you're in a point of pain and you're praying, God, remove the pain, and he chooses not to remove the pain, what he promises he'll do instead is he'll give you his grace to sustain you with the pain. And for this, we can all rejoice. We can all rejoice. If the pain is taken, we rejoice. But if the pain is not taken, God promises, just as he did to Paul, I'm going to give you my grace, and it's sufficient. It's more than enough for you. And my grace and my power will sustain you so that you can continue following me by faith with 
your pain. And in that promise from God, we can say we rejoice. God, I rejoice. Third, we are also called to rejoice in persecution. Rejoice in persecution. These believers are certainly familiar with this. As followers of Jesus, we're different in Jesus. The light of Jesus in us makes a difference in our lives. We're different as followers of Jesus. And the difference that Christ makes in us is supposed to shine through us. Now understand this, you know this. When the light of Christ in us that makes the difference for us is shining through us, it will produce opposition to us. When the light of Jesus in us shines through us, it's going to produce opposition to us. Most often, the opposition to us will come from those in the world. Those who do not yet have a relationship with God by God's grace through their faith in Christ Jesus. Because they don't understand God. They don't understand the truth of God's word. They don't understand a relationship with God. They certainly don't understand rejoicing always. They may not understand what they're seeing in and through our lives. And they may not understand us, why we do what we do, how we're able to do what we do. And so that at times can produce some opposition to us as followers of Jesus Christ. Jesus spoke to us about this in Matthew chapter 5 in verses 11 and 12. Matthew uh, said these words recording Jesus, you are blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice. Say that with me. Be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven for that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. We see here Jesus told us that we are to rejoice in persecution and opposition. He said, rejoice when you are persecuted and opposed because of your faith in me. Rejoice because God sees you. Rejoice because God will reward you in heaven. Rejoice because your persecution and opposition will come to an end. Rejoice because you're in good company. We can rejoice always, even in persecution and opposition. When others come against us and oppose us because of our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, because that means we're in good company. People opposed and persecuted the Old Testament prophets, Jesus said, because of their faith in God and their obedience to God. People persecuted the disciples in the New Testament, the disciples of Jesus, because of their faith in God and their obedience to God. People persecuted the followers of Jesus throughout the ages here in the scriptures and all throughout the ages because of their faith in God and obedience to God. People are persecuting our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus right here, right now, around the world because of their faith in God and their opposition to God. And so rejoice always includes when you and I face opposition, face persecution, when we face pushback because of our faith in Jesus Christ, because we're not going to do what the world says to do. We're not going to believe the way the world says we're going to have to believe. We're not going to act the way the world says we're going to have to act. We're not going to accept all the things that the world says we've got to accept. When we are going to stand firm on the truth of this word, it's going to bring opposition and persecution against us. And we know and understand Jesus is telling us this is going to happen. And when it does, rejoice and be glad. Rejoice and be glad. Rejoice always would have encouraged these believers in Thessalonica. I want you to understand as they're listening to this, as Paul's ending this letter, and as they read rejoice always, that would have encouraged them. Why? Because they were facing persecution, opposition, and suffering for their faith in Christ Jesus. They were facing this. It was personal to them. First Thessalonians chapter 2, turn to your left, or it may be right there on your same page. Chapter 2. 
Let's look at verse 14 and 15, reminding us of what we've already studied a few months back. Paul said, For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Christ Jesus that are in Judea, since you have also suffered the same things from people of your own country, just as they did from the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and persecuted us. Paul included he, Silas, and Timothy. They displease God and are hostile to everyone. So we see Paul encouraged these believers by reminding these believers that they're not alone in their persecution. They're not alone in the opposition they were facing because of their faith in Jesus Christ. They persecuted the Old Testament prophets. They persecuted the brothers and sisters in Christ in the church in Jerusalem. And they persecuted even Paul, Silas, and Timothy. And this would have encouraged these believers. And so the word is true for you and me today as well. We're to rejoice always. That includes times of persecution and opposition. Rejoice always also includes times of loss. We know as part of this letter as we've studied that the believers in Thessalonica were struggling with the loss of some of their brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. They were, they were dying. They were passing away. They, they were dying before the return of Jesus, and, and they were struggling. They didn't know what this meant for their brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus who, who died before the return of Jesus. And Paul reminded them in chapter 4 in verse 13, and Paul said, We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, concerning those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. Paul reminded these believers that they could rejoice always, even in times of loss, because their brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus who died before the return of Jesus would return with Jesus when Jesus comes back for us. You see, Paul was reminding them of the glorious truth we know in God's word that is true for all followers of Jesus Christ, and that is simply this, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Amen? When we die, should we die before the return of Jesus, we understand and know as followers of Jesus, our bodies, our flesh, this tent of flesh that houses each of us, that God has given to us, is laid in the grave as if asleep. But our soul or spirit goes immediately in the presence of God. And we are with him always. And so we don't grieve and mourn loss like those without hope, like the rest, meaning those who don't have a relationship with God by God's grace through their faith in Christ Jesus. Those who don't have a relationship with God by faith in Christ Jesus mourn and grieve uncontrollably at the concept of death because at death, that's it. There's no hope for them to experience a relationship with God. There's no hope for them to spend eternity with God because of their sin against God, which separates them from God. But for followers of Jesus Christ, we know and understand, and Paul was encouraging these believers, rejoice always includes in times of loss. Because we know as brothers and sisters in Christ, when our loved ones, when our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus go before us, we don't grieve and mourn as those without hope. We grieve and we mourn and we deal with sorrow, absolutely, but we do so with the hope of knowing we'll see him again in glory one day. We're going to be reunited. So we can rejoice always in times of loss. Fifth point is we need to rejoice always. We need to rejoice in others' blessings. Rejoice always includes rejoicing in others' blessings. Paul said in Romans 12, 15, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. We're to rejoice with our brothers and sisters' blessings. We're to rejoice in our brothers and sisters' answers to prayer. But the truth of the matter is, for some of us, if we're really honest, I think at times we'd rather weep with those who weep than rejoice with those who rejoice. Reason for this is at times, if we're not careful, we can be guilty of 
becoming discouraged, becoming frustrated, becoming even a little maybe jealous. Because the blessings and answers to prayer that our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus are receiving, we really truly honestly want them for ourselves. We want them. And so as they're rejoicing over their answer to prayer, we may find ourselves still sitting in God's waiting room, waiting on our answer to prayer. And if we're not careful, our enemy can lure us away from rejoicing and and tempt us to give in to some discouragement, some frustration, and keep us from rejoicing with those who rejoice. Listen, rejoicing in one another's blessings is a true test of our faith in Jesus. It's a true test of our faith in Jesus, where we are at in our walk with the Father. We see throughout Scripture, Paul rejoiced with these believers. Paul rejoiced over these believers. The blessings and their growth in Christ Jesus. They rejoiced in Paul, Silas, and Timothy. And so we know, once again, Paul practiced what he preached. Paul rejoiced in his trials. Paul rejoiced in his times of pain. Paul rejoiced in his times of persecution. Paul rejoiced in times of loss. Paul rejoiced in others' blessings. Rejoice is the command, when always. That means a lot. It includes a lot. How? The third question is how? And the answer is simple, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Praise God, he answers this question for us. How can we rejoice always? Because it's not natural for us to rejoice always. No, you're right. It's supernatural for us to rejoice always. It's not natural for us. It must be supernatural for us. We rejoice always by the power of the Holy Spirit. We know that God answered this question for us through Paul's writing in chapter 1, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Again, Paul commanded these believers rejoice always. How, they would have certainly asked. Well, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 1 and verse chapter, chapter 1, verse 4. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power in the Holy Spirit and with full assurance. You know how we lived among you for your benefit and you yourselves became imitators of us and of the Lord when in spite of severe persecution, you welcomed the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. These believers in Thessalonica welcomed, they received, they accepted God's message of salvation with joy from the Holy Spirit. They rejoiced always by the power of the Holy Spirit living in them. We rejoice always by the power of the Holy Spirit in us. We rejoice in times of trial by the power of the Holy Spirit. We rejoice in times of pain by the power of the Holy Spirit. We rejoice in times of persecution and opposition by the power of the Holy Spirit. We rejoice in times of loss by the power of the Holy Spirit. We rejoice in others' blessings by the power of the Holy Spirit living within us. When God saved us by his grace through our faith in Christ Jesus, God placed his Holy Spirit in us. The Holy Spirit of God living in us helps us to live and please God day by day. Our part is to walk by the Spirit. That's your part. That's my part. Our part is to walk by the Spirit. Rejoice always. How can we do this, God? As we walk by the Spirit. What that simply means is as we surrender ourselves to God, as we humbly depend on God day by day, as we give up, as we offer ourselves to God as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to him on a day-by-day basis, 
as we simply yield ourselves to God, the Holy Spirit empowers us to live God's way. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live and please God. The Holy Spirit empowers us to obey the word of God. The Holy Spirit empowers us to rejoice always. God is so good to us. Amen? He's so good to us. One of the ways we know he's so good to us is he empowers us to do everything he asks us to do. How awesome is that? He literally empowers us to do everything he asks us to do. Any and every command and instructive word in this word that God gives to us through the authors of his word, God commands us, God calls us, God instructs us, God teaches us to do these things. And then he comes alongside and says, not only am I going to teach you, command you, call you to do these things, but I'm going to empower you to do them. I've placed my Holy Spirit in you. He will empower you to do them. All I ask, walk by my Spirit. Our part is to walk by the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. Simply surrendering ourselves to God day by day. Allowing God to live his life through us. The power of the Holy Spirit in us to shine out through us. And enable us to fulfill this command to rejoice always. And then the fourth question is why? Why are we to rejoice always? The answer to why is simple. It's best for us. God commands us as followers of Jesus to rejoice always because rejoicing always is best for us as followers of Jesus. It's best for us. It's best for you and it's best for me. And we see this in many different ways, just a few ways in particular that we see how good it is for us to rejoice always. Number one, rejoicing always helps our walk with God. Paul told us in Philippians 4 and verse 4, Paul, man, he was focused on rejoicing all the time. It makes sense when you understand and realize Paul was a persecutor of Christ's followers before he came, became a preacher to Christ's followers. So he understood and realized the change that had taken place in his life. We know the change that's taken place in our life. Paul was always rejoicing. Paul told us in Philippians 4 verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Hey, listen, we can rejoice always in the Lord. Amen. We can rejoice always in the Lord. We can rejoice always because God is always with us. We can rejoice always because God loves us and that'll never change. We can rejoice always because God's at work in us. We can rejoice always because God is with us. We can rejoice always because God has forgiven us of our sins. We can rejoice always because God's work in us is best for us. We can rejoice always that God is at work in us right now, fulfilling his plan for us. We can rejoice always that God's grace and God's power is more than enough for us. You see, rejoicing always helps us focus our minds on God. When we rejoice always in times of trials, in times of pain, in times of persecution, in times of loss and others' blessings, when we're able to rejoice always, what's happening is when we're in the middle of those circumstances in our lives, we're in the middle of those situations, in the middle of those challenging times, in the middle of those difficult times, when we're rejoicing always, it's lifting our eyes off of others around us. It's lifting our eyes off the circumstances we find ourselves in, and it's focusing our eyes on our almighty God. In the midst of those times, which allows us to continue to rejoice because 
we're in it, but we're looking up to our Father. You see, rejoicing always helps us focus on God. It helps us focus on the Word of God. Rejoicing always helps us focus on the promises of God in the Word of God for you and for me. In the midst of those difficult times, rejoice always. It sounds so challenging, so impossible. It is for us in the flesh, but not in the Spirit. And as we rejoice always, we're reminded of these promises of God. That His grace is sufficient for us. His power is made perfect in our weakness. That God, our God, will meet all our needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. That our God is able to make all grace abound to us. So that all times and all ways, having all that we need, we'll be able to abound and excel, and overflow in every good work. That we can run to the Lord. Because the name of the Lord is a strong tower righteous. That's us. We run to it. In our times of need, in our times of pain, in our times of weakness, and we're safe. We're safe because we're held in our Father's hand. And no one, nothing can snatch us out of his hand. And the more we focus on God, on the word of God, on the promises in the word of God, the more we're growing in our walk with God. And rejoicing always motivates that growth. Hey, rejoicing always helps our witness for God. When we rejoice in trials, Jesus shines through us. When we rejoice in pain, Jesus shines through us. When we rejoice in persecution, Jesus shines through us. When we rejoice in loss, hey, Jesus shines through us. When we rejoice in others' blessings, Jesus shines through us because that's just not normal. Rejoicing always shows the difference that Jesus makes in us. Rejoicing always shines the light of Jesus through us. Rejoicing always draws people closer to Jesus that are around us. Because people want to know what on earth is going on with us when we rejoice always. Rejoicing always. It was part of the reason why the church in Jerusalem was exploding in growth. It's part of the reason the church in Thessalonica was planted. Think about it. The church in Thessalonica was planted because of the explosive growth in the church in Jerusalem. The planter of the church it doesn't like a Paul. Was in ministry. Because of the explosive growth 
the church in Jerusalem. The explosive growth in the church of Jerusalem was because those believers and disciples were rejoicing always. In their pain, in their trials, in their persecution, and in their loss, they were rejoicing always. In others' blessings. I think of how Luke shared about Peter and John. And the disciples, they kept preaching and teaching Jesus. Crucified, risen, and exalted. And the religious authorities said, stop. And arrested them. Stop. And they said, we can't. And they kept rejoicing always. And they kept preaching Jesus. And they were arrested again. And the religious leader said, stop. He said, we can't. And they beat them. And they flogged them. And people observed and watched. And Luke said, Peter and John and the disciples left after being beaten and flogged. Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. Stephen, as he lost his life, stoned to death because of his faith in Jesus, rejoiced. And there was a guy named Saul sitting there watching. There's a guy named Saul holding all the coats of those who were throwing the stones at Stephen. And rejoicing always helped Stephen's witness for God because it was part of the work of God in Saul's life that ultimately changed Saul's life from being a persecutor of Christians to a preacher to Christians. Don't think for a second that rejoicing always doesn't have an impact on those that God's placed around you. It'll help our walk with God and our witness for God. It also helps our worship of God. Rejoicing always helps us develop our worship muscles. You know, some of us need to work out our worship muscles. Rejoicing always certainly helps us develop our worship muscles. God's worthy of our worship at all times. Amen. God's worthy of our praise at all times. And rejoicing always allows us to give God the honor and the glory and the praise and the worship that he is due. Rejoicing always blesses us. Rejoicing always blesses those who are around us. Rejoice always includes now. You realize that? This is a word for us right now. Rejoice always means right now. So let's rejoice always. Let's rejoice now. Let's rejoice in all our blessings as followers of Jesus. The scriptures teach us, therefore, through Jesus, let us offer, let us offer to God a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of lips that profess his name. As a follower of Jesus Christ, as my brother and sister in Christ Jesus, I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you this morning, right here, right now, in just a few moments. Let's rejoice always. 
Let's rejoice always. We rejoice always as we share our words of praise with God through prayer. We rejoice always as we sing our words of praise through our worship to God. We do this together. We do this as brothers and sisters in Christ. We do this as individuals. We do this as families. Let's rejoice always. We've received every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, but then let's secondly as well rejoice in our opportunity to receive Jesus by faith this morning. If you've not yet trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, if you're still on your journey to a relationship with God by faith in Jesus, I got good news for you. This morning is the day of salvation for you. Jesus is ready to change you from the inside out. Almighty God is giving you another opportunity, another time to receive his gift of salvation, his gift of love and life and forgiveness of sins by simply yielding yourself to him and receiving Jesus Christ in your life by your faith and trust in him. The scriptures teach us that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord for salvation will be saved. So let's bow in prayer. Brothers and sisters.